I Could Murder a Podcast is proudly part of the ACAST Creator Network. For hundreds of extra minisodes and other content, along with our private Discord server and live Q&As, exclusive merch and much more, consider subscribing to icmap.co.uk. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Warning. The following episode contains subject matter and scenes that some viewers may find upsetting, disturbing, or unnerving. Please note viewer discretion is advised at all times. Sit back and enjoy. Dictionary.com defines the word captivity as the state or period of being held, imprisoned, enslaved, or confined. In wartime, a captive individual may be held prisoner or kept in confinement or restraint. Animals can be kept in captivity, out of reach from the open freedom of the wild world. And finally, relationships can be enslaved or captivated by love or beauty. Enchanted by the thought or feeling invoked when certain eyes, minds, and hearts meet. The indescribable gravitational pull, rendering all else useless behind the utterly helpless feeling of euphoria. Unfortunately, all three of these examples can occasionally overlap in the darkest and deepest of ways, and when somebody's chemical or social composition isn't quite right, the impact can be significant. Captivity has lasted throughout the ages, with humans, animals, thoughts and feelings, and with this year's ongoing global pandemic, Isolation and captivity are both more relatable and relevant than ever before. Though we've barely managed a year without our social freedoms, 
the stress and unsettlement is present for all to see. Elizabeth Fritzel, 24 years, seven children, adulthood, motherhood, innocence, freedom, life, happiness, all taken. Joseph Fritzel, the creator, the taker, the Amstetten monster. Hello and welcome back to I Can Murder a Podcast. I'm Tom and I'm joined once again by the little fella, Ben. Yeah, lost a little bit of weight since you last saw me. Glad you clocked it. Last episode one. Yeah. Wow. This case today, Ben, Mm. it is an extraordinary case. It's bleak as hell, which which we like to cover, bleak cases. Yeah, and hellish ones. Let's not Let's not not discount hell, please. Um, But this one, when you were growing up, when when you heard about it, what Mm. what are your feelings, your thoughts? Well... Having kind of looked into more detail this week, I, I, I just remember the highlights. <laughs> well, yeah. lowlights. Um, well, mm. Mm. but uh, I just remember kind of the the shock factor of the case and and, and how long he'd kept uh, uh, today's subject uh, in the basement. And uh, yeah, just uh, it, as you say, massive. <laughs> do you need a Do you need a burp? Yeah. <laughs> mm. um, but as as you say, it was uh, it was one of those cases at the time where there was just it, it was worldwide news. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, as we've read more details about it, as we've studied it a bit more, um, it's massive. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot of avenues I don't remember hearing about when it first came out. We've discovered some things that we didn't know about, so we're looking forward to sharing it with you. But before we get into the case... Tom, I'm ready. I've got my bags all packed. What are you on about? Our big US trip. You said we were going to enjoy all that America had to offer. No, you mug. We can now enjoy all the US true crime shows and documentaries, all from the comfort of our own homes. But they're blocked every time I try and search. Ben, let me and our new sponsor, Surfshark VPN, rock your world. And hopefully, unblock your mind. Surfshark is an app and browser extension that essentially lets you place your laptop or phone anywhere in the world enabling you to access the internet as if you were in that country. What, even Netflix? Oh, Ben, listen here. We can now access 15 different Netflix libraries from all around the globe by simply changing our virtual location using Surfshark. It also hides your IP address and encrypts your online information to safeguard your privacy. I mean, that's all well and good for us, Tommy boy, but what do our listeners get out of this? If our audience head over to surfshark.deals forward slash murder and use the code murder, they'll get 84% off plus four extra months for free. That is a pretty killer deal. Surfshark also offers a 30-day money-back guarantee, so you're not even taking a risk. Well, that's good because I hate risks. What do I do now? Maybe unpack your bags and put the kettle on? Sugar? So today's case is Joseph Fritzl. The Amstetten monster. That actually, that wasn't, that wasn't was actually bad. So when this case emerged, I was 18. Uh, you were a bit older than me, 19. Tiny bit older than you. Year above me. Um, mm. So months. when this came out, this story came out, um, what do you remember hearing? Do you just remember hearing someone was trapped down a basement? It was an underground story. Like, I know you like those. Yeah, very underground, quirky bit niche um so i love yeah all three of those were tingled in this case tingled uh tackled in this case um also remember the the word prisoner um being used quite quite frequently when it first came out and that he'd kept someone although at the time when it first came out i wasn't sure that they had disclosed it was a relative or his own you know his own 
daughter. Um, so yeah, it was a big shock factor. Nothing like that had really been worldwide major news um, in our lifetime. I think it's one of those that came into popular culture quite quickly, and it's one of those where people who were a bit edgy would make jokes about. It's one of those things, I think. Mm-hmm. And yeah. even when we were, you know, looking into this case. Uh, the other thing I was going to bring up as early as this, but we f- yeah. found an animated uh, music video for uh, not under the sea, but was under the floor. Yeah, uh, which very distasteful. It wouldn't have looked out of place in uh, Nightmare Before Christmas in in um, the showmanship and in the animation. The yeah. guy's voice was very similar to the Skeleton King, Pumpkin King. He was Austrian, and I know Jack Skellington is not Austrian. Jack Skellington. I'm younger than you, I know these things. So, let's set the scene. The height of summer 1984, Amstetten, Austria. Children play with disregard as adults unwind in the open, peaceful streets of this small, easy-going little town. Not a care in the world, life is good today. Suddenly, whispers gather pace and news moves from person to person, neighbour to neighbour, family to family that 18-year-old waitress Elizabeth Fritzel has suddenly vanished and gone missing from the family home where she had grown up. Disappeared into thin air amidst the summer blue sky. Her parents, understandably frantic with worry, raise the alarm to the local police. Her mother Rosemary hastily files a missing persons report while her father Joseph thanks concerned friends and neighbours for their sympathy and support. As weeks turn to months without a word from her, Everybody starts to fear the worst and the last embers of hope begin to burn out. Then, seemingly out of nowhere, a letter arrives from Elizabeth claiming that she had grown tired of living under her parents' rule and decided to run away. Her father Joseph, awestruck and overwhelmed, tells police he has no idea where she has gone but that she had likely joined a religious cult, something that she had threatened to do many times previously. But the apparently concerned middle-class father, a respectable salesman and good family man, knew exactly where his daughter was. And it was just a few feet below where the officers and Joseph Fritzl were standing. So before we get into it, Ben, I thought you'd quite enjoy this, just to kind of demonstrate the um, length of time that she was actually held hostage when she was in prison. Careless Whisper by George Michael was number one. When she was set free, American Boy by Kanye and Estelle. Whoa, there's a journey. There's a long journey there. A careless whisper that, that Fritz wouldn't want to say in public in case he got found out. Mm. American Boy has no relevance whatsoever and I can't crowbar that in. But let's go to the beginning of Fritzl's life and see what created such a monster. Okay, cool. So uh, Joseph Fritzl, also known, as we said in the intro, as the Amstetten Monster. I have been working you're on allowed the car. To do, you're allowed to do two more of those in this whole podcast. All right. Um, but he was born on April 9th, 1935. Um, and his childhood from the off is very, very interesting. Yeah, his, fa- his family dynamic was a bit was a bit odd. His his, gran- his grandma married a mill owner, but um, she was unable to have children. Then so it blew away. Windmill. Joseph's grandma married a mill owner, but uh, she was unable to have children. So um, the mill owner actually had three children with the servants of the house. It was a very loveless marriage. It was a very odd marriage. Um, I feel like that's a, pa- a pattern that kind of uh, emerges again um, in his, you know, in later generations, um, especially loveless. But 
in that time, it was very stigmatized to have children at a wedlock. Um, it would have been very frowned upon within the kind of public and, and being brought up in that kind of family. Uh, I mean, his mother would have experienced a lot of um, backlash from other people. So uh, Joseph uh, grew up an only child and was raised solely by his mother. Um, his father deserted the family when he was just uh, uh, four years old um, and actually later fought in World War II. Um, he was actually killed in action. So there is a memorial. Uh, he is a, on a memorial plaque in Amstetten, um, kind of commemorating him. But he did, yeah, obviously didn't know his dad, um, which uh, is a common common trait again, no relationship with the father figure in the house. But uh, the relationship he had with his mother was also quite an interesting one. Yeah, before we get into that, he, he didn't have a lot of time with his dad, but when he did, he he did some memorable things. Uh, obviously, the, the war was starting to kick off um, at the time, um, and the Nazis were moving into uh, Austria, and his dad actually took him to go see Hitler do a speech oh. when he was three years old on his shoulders and saw the Fuhrer. Just making memories with his with his old man there before bonding before he left. So um, Fritzl's mum again, the, being um, being born out of wedlock, which Fritzl was, he would have received some abuse from his peers, and uh, he would have been looked down upon by the general public. Um, but Fritzl's mum had a bit of a temper on her growing up, and he was treated very strictly by his mum. She actually um, didn't agree with a lot of the Nazi parties, and she rebelled about what they said, and that actually got her taken to a concentration camp. Um, so Fritzl was put into an orphanage at the age of nine. And he was told his mum was dead. Um, it's only until after the war that he discovered his mum was actually still alive. So he grew up a long time without her around, obviously thinking she was dead. Um, but then when he did was reunited with her, he had that kind of deep-seated anger towards her for for rebelling, for being in trouble and for being taken away from him. Him being left in an orphanage, which, you know, a lot of these cases we cover seems to have, a, they've grown up in care or whatever, and it's it's not been an easy way to grow up. The rejection that they've, they've faced. Um, so when he's reunited with her, I don't think the relationship was in an overly good place. It is speculated that uh, later in life, as he as he uh, you know edged into his teenage years, um, possibly a romantic slash sexual relationship developed between himself and his mother, which is uh, an interesting one. Um, it'll, it'll go full circle with that uh, shortly, but um, yeah, very strange relationship again. Kind of uh, similar link to Ed Kemper having having a bit of a fascination with his mother, but uh, for very different reasons, of course. But at the age of 15, Fritzl began a weird psychosexual behaviour and he used to go outside people's houses and listen to them having sex. And he also started exposing himself to women. Yeah, I heard he had a, a flashing streak in him. <laughs> I didn't know where you were going to go with it. He has quite a drive. Um, he's a very smart, intellectual guy. Um, he, he will later in life, obviously... Uh, uh, find decent employment. Um, he's very uh, technical. Uh, he's, he's a very good engineer. And again, this will be, unfortunately, uh, skills and traits that will uh, f cause other people harm. But um, yeah, smart guy, driven guy, motivated guy. Um, and uh, as he moves, you know, for his later teenage years, he then uh, meets young Rosemary. Fritzl uh, had an interesting concept on love and uh, he also had a bicycle, uh, so he'd become known as uh, Bicycle Joe, uh, you know, biking around Amstetten and Linz, um, but he would bike to different locations, um, possibly follow women to their houses, but also <laughs> park the bike up and then that's when he had the flashing streak in him. You find that funny for... Is this the, the idea of Bicycle Joe? It's, it's so, so tame and, and you had a little, quite... Gl you had a little, like, glimmer in your eye thinking about flashing people. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Just I might, just like bikes. <laughs> I don't, but I might. 
Okay. Bicycle Joe, there you go. Uh, so he, he then went to go on to meet his wife then. Yes, yes. So at the time, uh, Joseph was 21 and Rosemary was 17. And uh, he'd actually been introduced to Rosemary, very quiet, innocent, unassuming girl. Um, she'd actually uh, been introduced to Bicycle Joe or Joseph uh, as he had worked with her father. Um, so he was in quite an uh, eligible bachelor kind of state at the time he had a good job he had money he had property he seemed to her father as you know so a go-getter someone who was driven knew a winner wanted. a winner yeah a winner yeah a winner don't know what that was trying to be um so they were to get they got married mm. and they had a couple of kids mm-hmm. but his employers sent him out to ghana for a few years when he was engineering and he came back and the kids were he felt the kids had grown up without him a little bit and he didn't like that but soon after his return he was to have elizabeth Despite obviously having some time away in Ghana, uh, missing his kids, coming back to be, uh, you know, uh, more hands-on father, he couldn't kind of shake off old habits. Um, So he's still, uh, you know, bicycle Joe, um, biking around town. He actually follows, in 1967, follows home a 24-year-old nurse. Um, And this was someone he'd obviously been watching for some time because he was aware that her husband was away. Um, He waits until she goes to bed breaks into the house and rapes her at knife point. A nasty detail here as well is that her infant uh, child was in bed while in the same bed with her while this happened. Um, And he was actually caught um, and convicted of this crime and sentenced to serve an 18-month sentence. Now, it's alleged and speculated that during this 18-month prison sentence, this is when he concocted the idea, you know, of of, of building the basement and renovating that area uh, specifically for the purposes of of holding a slave, uh, sex slave um, in that area. Um, It's, it's, I mean, where, where do you stand on whether he had Elizabeth in mind at this time? Well, she was one at the time. Yeah. So I don't think that was, I, I think like some things I read suggests that uh, we'll get into the way Elizabeth was as, as a, a young girl. Um, he was very attached to her. Um, so I think by this stage, I'd be surprised if he was thinking about that at that stage, mm-hmm. unless it was a case of he just, he loved the idea of control. Um, a lot of things in his life he hasn't been able to control, like his mum going away and his dad going away. Um, so Maybe there's some semblance of an, of an idea forming. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, yeah, I don't think he would have, well, maybe he hasn't pinpointed Elizabeth as his target for that. But Yeah. I mean, as an adult, that he, just prior to his arrest, um, he's, you know, he's got money, he's got freedom, he's, he's known uh, in the area as being someone that's either going to expose himself or, or, or try and rape people. Um, so I feel that... <laughs> he exposed he exposed himself. He wasn't known for trying to rape people. There goes Bicycle Joe down the road. He's even going to get his dick out or rape you. <laughs> I think at the time he's thinking the fact that he's been caught and the fact he's been convicted, he's like, I'm not going to... How can I do... How can I do what I love to do without getting caught? And this is when he's kind of con- concocted that idea. And right. maybe he didn't like the fact that he wasn't in control being put away. He exactly. wasn't dictating all of his time and when he could eat. And then he thought maybe even as a kind of F you to people, he could conduct his, make his own prison for someone else. Mm. Yeah. Which is quite ironic considering he was sat in prison at the time. Um, yes. Uh, yeah. That's what I was getting at. <laughs> So he only actually ends up serving 12 months of that 18-month sentence and gets back out and immediately gets to work on renovating the basement area. He ropes in, and if you've seen any of the documentaries, he ropes in his uh, brother-in-law, um, who's a, not the sharpest uh, tool in the box, um, uh, to help him kind of renovate this area. And the brother-in-law, in, on multiple occasions, um, 
notices that the basement on a daily and weekly basis is getting larger and he accidentally knocks down a wall that opens up another room that's already been dug out. So uh, yeah, I've been working on my uh, my impression of him, but uh, we'll save that for a little bit later. Stay tuned for that, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Um, so so we'll, we'll talk about Elizabeth now. Um, so she grew up in the household. Uh, Fritzl, obviously, he was very strict. Um, mm-hmm. I think a bit like his mother, very strict with his children, always wanted to know where they were. But he took a particular... Um, particular concentration on elizabeth mm-hmm. and she was a little bit rebellious and she would she wouldn't often do what he said which didn't say he would get very angry with her she, she was known as being the rebel of the family um but yeah apparently she reminded him of of himself as a, yeah. as a boy um and she, he was just obsessed he always wanted to know where she was and what she was up to she was born on april 6th he was born on april 9th i don't know what star sign that is but they're both fellow aprils uh dan can you check what star sign that is <laughs> Uh, I heard interviews with Elizabeth's friends and they used to say that, yeah, she they wouldn't go around the house. Um, mm-hmm. uh, they didn't want to go around there. He was known as being a very scary, daunting character. Yeah, um, and that was the same with uh, with people that would stay in the different rooms of, of the of the apartment com- yeah, we'll, complex. Yeah, we'll get into that. But yeah, it, it's, it's she wasn't very fond of him, it seemed, um, mm-hmm. growing up. And yeah, she would do things, little things to rebel, little things to annoy him. But um, at the same time, she'd be very aware that there would be um, consequences to, to that behaviour. Yeah, of course. And, and potentially he was testing the waters there a little bit to see how she'd react, to see if she would rebel, if she would say no, different things like that. Um, so it's Aries, Dan. It's Aries, yeah. Aries. Uh, Aries, obviously, is commonly known for liking bicycles. Um, mm-hmm. So there you go. Yeah. I don't know any other traits other than that. So mm. please and, let's. And trench coats. Passionate, motivated, and a confident leader. Oh, that means passionate, motivated, and confident. Uh, thanks, Dan. That kind of do, that kind of does make sense for. And I'm sorry, relentless determination as well. Oh God! Ooh, yeah. So yeah, that uh, direct. Mm. Sorry, I'll stop in a minute. No, you keep going, <laughs> please. <laughs> direct in their approach. Often get frustrated by exhausted details and unnecessary nuances. That makes sense mm. for Fritzl. Mm-hmm. Um, with Elizabeth, she wasn't given the chance to be all those things. So, uh, all then. But um, so with with Elizabeth, like you're saying, he was testing the boundaries with her mm-hmm. growing up. He he um would go back to his bicycle Joe's days, and he would did expose himself to her. That's how he started, kind of mm-hmm. testing the ground there. He would leave porno under her pillow. Um, and he would uh, yeah. Then it kind of progressed, and he horribly started sexually abusing her. Yeah, um, she was eleven when when he first um abused her. Yeah. So, I mean, Elizabeth at school, she wasn't uh, really into boys and her friends just thought she, that's because she was shy. But there's obvious kind of signs there looking back that um, the way she's been treated at home obviously kind of really like affected her. Of course it would. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, there's some horrible reports later on saying that Joseph would claim that um, he believed that she wanted all of this. She wanted yeah. it, which is just obviously horrible and not right. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. 
From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. So now we're going to go into a bit of the timeline of how things start to happen and emerge in this horrific tale. Yeah, it's always nice as we find to have a bit of a linear view of events. Um, You will find that this progressively uh, becomes quite dark. So again, a little precursor, a little pre-warning. Um... We are going to go quite graphic on this one. There are there are some quite mean details um, that will be depicted here. So we're going to start off by years, because this does span over a lot of time. So it's going to start yeah. off going over years. So 1977, Joseph Fritzl allegedly abuses his daughter Elizabeth, then aged just 11, for the first time. 1978, records show that the Fritzl property in Amstetten is a building dating from around 1890. A newer building was added after 1978 when Fritzl applied for a building permit for an extension with basement. January 1983, 16-year-old Elizabeth Fritzl runs away from home and goes into hiding in Vienna with a friend from work. That's roughly one hour away from Amstetten. She was found by police less than three weeks into hiding and returned to the family home, which I can imagine from her... You know, being returned into that household, obviously a place where she's been abused. It was a very strict household. I can imagine that car ride back to the house would be Mm -hmm. terrifying. So, 1983, building inspectors visited the Fritzl property in Amstetten and verified that the new extension had been completed. Unbeknown to the inspectors, Fritzl had illegally enlarged the room by excavating space. This is, again, the the brother-in-law that he kind of mulled into this. Um for a much larger basement. This was concealed by fake walls, and in around 1981 or 1982, according to his later statement, Fritzl started to turn this into a hidden cellar. He would renovate these secret compartments and install a wash basin, um, toilet, bed, a hot plate, and refrigerator. The same year, he added more space by creating a passageway to a pre-existing basement area under the old part of the property, of which only he knew. So yeah, the concealed cellar had a five-metre-long corridor, a storage area, and three small open cells connected by narrow passageways. So it had a really basic setup, basically. If you see, we'll show you a bit of pictures. A small little kitchen area, a small little bathroom area. It looks like a narrow boat. Yeah. In terms of space. Yeah. It doesn't, there's not a lot going on there. And there's very small sleeping compartments, two sleeping compartments. Uh, equipped with two beds. The actual space of the whole area is 55 metres squared, which is 590 square feet. So, uh, yeah, from the pictures and images we've seen and even hearing people uh, discussing it with the police who went in afterwards, everyone's vibe was, I I just wanted to get out of there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
Um, I mean, the one really upsetting thing for me when you look at the pictures is um, I noticed that there were like, uh, there's this area which acts as kind of a kitchen, a bathroom, um, and I guess an extra spot to sit in, I guess. But um, there were stickers of octopus, um, a little elephant, <laughs> wooden elephant model, but then just the idea that children had, had kind of um, accessorized the area just to make it look a little more pleasant in a disgustingly nightmarish uh, scenario i think he's the only person that looked at that space and didn't see what everyone else sees yeah which is yeah we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later but the, the cell had two access points a hinge door that weighed 500 kilograms which is very heavy um which is thought to become unusable over the years because of the weight um and there was another door which was hidden behind a shelf in fritzel's basement workshop protected by electronic code so a little code to get in boop, boop, boop is apparently what the codes I was told by someone that's exactly the, the noise the code made which I was quite surprised because it's quite an annoying sound bah, yeah. bah, bah, bah. but um, mm. apparently the pitch went up every time he used it it's very um, 80s yeah, well, I guess so yeah that we know now the basement's been built the, mm-hmm. he's got a He's got a secret code in there. Uh, no one knows about this uh, space apart from Fritzl. Mm-hmm. And even all those permits, which you, you like to talk about, they didn't know. They had no idea. Yeah. Which and is... A total of eight doors separated her from... Uh, or, sorry, separated that area then from, from Fritzl's workshop. Spoiler well. alert. <laughs> so at this stage um, in Elizabeth's life, she wanted to get away from Fritzl. Obviously, she had been, she's been growing up there. She's 18 years old and she's she's trained to be a waitress and she's got qualifications she wants to go out and explore the world get away from this sleepy little town um, and she starts talks, talking about moving away with her sister and moving in with her sister and when Fritzl had heard that he he, as we said before he was he was um, very obsessed with um, Elizabeth Solo. he was kind of falling in love with her which is horrible to say but he didn't want to see her leave he mm. didn't like the idea of her leaving didn't like the idea of her having any other boyfriends and he decides I need to do something about this and yeah, we're going to get into that now. Yeah, yeah. So a very flustered and rushed Joseph Fritzl lures his 18-year-old daughter, Elizabeth, down to the cellar. Um, this is under the guise to help uh, hold and secure a door um, to a hinge, uh, well, to, for her to hold the door, sorry, while he secures it. My first question, and of all the prep um, that we've done for this, I didn't hear this raised in any other podcasts, documentaries. Oh, that's a claim, go on. It is fairly bold. So there are eight doors. Yep. All right. Yep. Got it. He fastened the other seven to the hinge by himself. Yeah, but she doesn't know that. Mm-hmm. What? So you're saying this is all her fault because she didn't know that he didn't? I'm just saying. Just saying. Oh, no. Ignore that claim. Ignore that claim. Because he did it on purpose. Yes. Yeah. He didn't ask him help. And then, and then he went, oh, this is actually an opportunity. Yeah. Something has arose. Get rid of it. What a mug. <laughs> I'll keep that in. No, no, no. I wonder why other podcasts didn't bring that bit up. <laughs> That's amazing. She's holding, uh, holding the door in place. Unbeknownst to her, it's the last piece of Fritzl's uh, nightmarish puzzle. And then he uh, places a chloroform-soaked rag over her face, and she shortly then collapses. So when she awoke, she was chained to the bed, um, and it was a very short chain. Um, she was, she couldn't move. She, yeah, she could hardly move. Um, and of course, the things running through her head must have been. Well, she'd never seen those rumors before anyway, so she wouldn't no, exactly. she wouldn't have even known where she was. 
and Fritzel actually leaves her there for a couple of days before he enters. She's in complete darkness, um, no idea that she's in the basement of, of the house that she grew up in, and then uh, obviously no idea for her uh, of any kind of motivation, why her father's doing this to her. So when Fritzel came back in, there was what I found, I found this, like, obviously this case is, is, is littered with things where you hear it, you're like, that is absurd. Um, he, he would basically walk around that space on a lead, a short dog leash he'd take her to the toilet trying to I mean she couldn't escape anyway mm -hmm. but um, he had her he had his daughter an 18 year old daughter on a dog leash walking around the space mm -hmm. uh, eventually he would loosen the chains a bit so it wasn't so um, you know she was able to move a bit well, more around nice the space yeah but yeah it, it, it's, it's, it's just um, these are the little details when you hear about it when, you're, when we were younger and you, we didn't know about these bits but it's just like it really makes you think of how much of an evil man he is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So a day later, Elizabeth is reported missing by her parents, and a month after that, they subsequently receive a letter that is written in Elizabeth's handwriting, uh, which uh, we will later find out uh, she was forced to write under Joseph's uh, instruction. Um, the letter states that she had ran away and uh, and joined a cult, um, and that she should not be uh, seeked or tried to tried to locate her, um, otherwise she would leave the country of Austria altogether. Um, so the parents are convinced then, and Joseph is, very, I'm sure, pushing this narrative that she, you know, she's better off in this cult and that she's not coming back. Um, and uh, that is what is kind of shared with police as well. Yeah, I mean, Rosemary was completely unaware of all of this. Um, Joseph's wife, she was very. Um she was very submissive to Joseph throughout yeah. all these things. Like, if Joseph wanted to do something to the house, he would do it. If he wanted to do it, like, she was she stood by him. Even when, you know, the um, rape cases came about, she still stood by him. Yeah. Um, he was a very, you know, a very abusive man, a very um, forceful man. So you can only imagine the kind of relationship they had mm. as well. So yeah, Elizabeth's down there. She's been forced to write this letter, um, which you can only imagine when she's writing the letter, she's like, they're going to think, this is, this is what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. They're not going to be looking for me. Yeah. So, um... You can only imagine the kind of horror that's going through her head. Yeah, and and if she hadn't wrote the letter, what would he have done to her? Yeah. The, the lesser of two evils there. So November 1986, Elizabeth has her first miscarriage from within the basement, 10 weeks into her first pregnancy. Well, after the miscarriage, she falls pregnant again, um, and she, she goes later on to the pregnancy. She asks for Fritzel to, for, to give her a book about childbirth. Um, obviously, she's, a, she's down there by herself. She's terrified. She's still very young. She asked for a book on childbirth. He he gives her that when she was you know when she's becoming Jew. They gave her a towel and a pair of scissors and a couple of nappies. The thirtieth of August, nineteen eighty-eight. She's been in the uh, in the basement for four years now, and the first of seven reported children is born. This is Kirsten. She's secretly born and raised in the basement. He wasn't there to assist when she gave birth. She gave birth by herself after reading a book. She had a pair of scissors, a couple of pair of nappies, and a towel in that dark, dingy space. I can't think of many things more, you know, terrifying than that. Yeah. If, for, for people going to hospital about to give birth, it's terrifying. That's still, yeah, that's still the scariest and, thing. And doing it, basically learning to be a midwife for yourself. It's yeah, that just makes that whole the whole process be even more heartbreaking for Elizabeth to go through. Yeah, and. Um... There are questions then around the motive here. You know, is, is Fritzl uh, allowing her to give birth uh, to this child so that she has uh, a company or something to focus on down in the in the basement? Yeah, I heard there was a theory that um, 
he was doing this in order to make her unappealing to other people. She's 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 a mother. Is out of wedlock. Is also a mother, a mother with you know her dad. Uh, but it's it, it's essentially to kind of claim ownership of her, mark his territory. Yeah, and I can't imagine again the the psychological element there for for Elizabeth knowing that that's her her own father's baby inside her. Yeah. It's harrowing. Kirsten would remain in the basement until 2008. Um, so she will be in the cellar for another 20 years, which is a, a horrible thing. Yeah, I mean, Elizabeth obviously had 18 years growing up and those of the outside space um, and to the children growing up in this environment, all they have is the kind of stories from Elizabeth. February 1st, 1990, Stefan, Elizabeth's second baby, is born. 19th of May, 1993, a nine-month-old baby, Lisa, this time, interestingly, is discovered um, in a cardboard box outside the family home in Amstetten, along with a letter that is allegedly written by Elizabeth, um, stating that she cannot care for Lisa. So, an interesting one here, because obviously this baby at the time is nine months old, um, so has spent her first nine months down in the cellar. So yeah, Lisa had a heart defect and Elizabeth was saying to Joseph that she wasn't very well and the con- she was constantly crying. Um, I think Joseph here was worried about the constant noise. Obviously, they're underground and it's very hidden away and Joseph wouldn't wouldn't let anyone in his basement um, or anywhere near that. But he, I think it might be an act of mercy on, on, mm. on his part here. Or maybe a concern about space. Yeah, true. Yeah, that's true. Um, but he, yeah, he thought this is the only way we can make this work i will you know take the baby up and put it on the doorstep and then um pretend it elizabeth had dropped it off but uh, this is the, this is one of the things uh, it's crazy to think is he he is he is to these children he is the adopted father the granddad and the father to lisa they officially adopt her uh, joseph and, and rosemary so throughout 1993 after repeated requests from elizabeth fritzel grants her permission to enlarge the size of the basement to allow for more room um, of course, Fritz was not just going to go there and do it himself because he is... wrote the brother-in-law in again. <laughs> he, just, he just walks past. Oh, this looks normal. Um, so he puts her young children to work digging up the soil with their hands over the course of a year. Now, when I when I heard this, I was like, "Well, they, obviously they can't have done much because doing it with your hands." Have you not seen The Great Escape? I haven't actually. Maybe you should. The prison was enlarged from 35 um, metres squared, which is 380 square feet, to 55 metres squared. That's a big extension for any house. Yeah. Let alone uh, underground, again, doing it with your hands. So uh, that's probably the only thing they had to do day to day as well. Well, Yeah, exactly. But it's in a dark, uh, damp, mouldy, disgusting space. I imagine, um, you know, throughout the summer months as well, it was humid and ugh. yeah apparently it's what is the best about well the worst of both worlds Dur- during summer it was really really hot and during winter it was freezing cold and fritzel didn't do anything to help with that he didn't provide any clothing like winter coats or anything like that mm-hmm. um we'll get as well he he would he would go shopping every every three days um, and he would um you know drop off um supplies to them um he, he would still regularly um rape elizabeth over over the course of all of this and you think within that small enclosed space obviously the children around it makes it even more of a horrifying scene. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the 15th of December 1994, a second baby girl, Monica, again appears in the exact same circumstances. Uh, this time, instead of nine months, she is ten months old and had spent her first ten months in the basement. 
Along with Lisa, she is adopted and raised by Fritzel and his wife. Shortly afterwards, Fritzel's wife, Rosemary, receives a phone call from Elizabeth, um, though it is believed to be a recording that Fritzel made of her from within the basement, explaining that she cannot look after baby Monica and that Rosemary um, needed to take care of her. Um, Rosemary reported this incident to the Austrian police in astonishment that Elizabeth knew they're recently changed um, and... Um, anonymized phone number or unlisted is the word I was looking for phone number yeah it seems to be this is one of um, Joseph's um, F-ups really he's he's quite meticulous he's very uh, thorough in everything he does but they had just changed the number of of their house and no one knew their number so how Elizabeth from a cult was going to be able to ring it Mm -hmm. um, that's another weird thing I had a theory that it could have been it's either Elizabeth's voice recorded or Joseph putting on a voice which I think they'd buy that. Yeah, he doesn't have the face of someone that could do a decent female impersonation. So I'm gonna two people that I think he looks a little bit like. Little Nicky's dad, and this one is more of a you have to think of it a bit, is the cartoon Grinch's dad. Okay, yeah. He's got a yeah. very kind of cat in the hat face. Yeah, I mean, he looks even um, side by side. Uh, regular, well, not regular Grinch, Jim Carrey Grinch. The Carey Grinch? Carey. How did you say it? Jim Carrey. Carrey? Jim Carrey. That is, no one's ever said that. Have you always said it like that? Yeah. Oh. This isn't a good episode for me so far. <laughs> so the 28th of April 1996, twins are born to Elizabeth, but one of them dies three days after birth, and his name is Michael. The baby had respiratory problems, and the, it's thought that the baby could probably have survived if Fritzel would have taken him to a hospital. Um, but he, even Fritzel at this point, was thinking the baby's being brought upstairs, was starting to alert suspicion uh, one of the documentaries that, that I saw the front door is literally onto a busy main street mm-hmm. so there's a, quite a lot of chance of people seeing Fritzel actually dropping the babies off himself so he, he was like and Rosemary reported it to the police last time so he was probably thinking I don't want to risk the opportunity of getting caught yeah. here so instead he let the baby suffer in the arms of Elizabeth and actually sadly pass away um, Fritzel would go on to um, dispose of the body in an incinerator so <laughs> yeah and then which just goes against the point I just said, but then the surviving twin, Alexander, is taken upstairs at 15 months old. So, I think... Maybe it, that allows a bit more of a window of time for him, maybe at that yeah. point. But I think also, again, he's thinking, you know, I think it was a three-day period that the baby then, the newborn, was allowed to kind yeah. of slowly suffer and, and die. And yeah. again, he's just left Elizabeth to it. I imagine he didn't go back down for a few days. No. Um, um, he would he would often go on like he had, they they own a lot of property around Austria they go on a lot of trips away um, you know sometimes at weeks at a time um, so he, he he would buy he would stockpile um, you know stuff for them he'd buy lots of like goods for them and other food and everything that he thinks they need probably, probably the absolute minimum they need um, but he you know if anything did happen to anyone down there mm-hmm. there was no obviously no form of them contacting the outside world so he, yeah he literally would just be like. You know, whatever happens when I'm gone will happen, and he very much was keen just to completely avoid avoid anything like that, avoid any responsibilities. And then to flip that on his head, like you say, if anything happened downstairs, um, you know, he wouldn't be aware of it. What if something happened to him? Well, he actually programmed the alarm, on the um, code on the door to to release after a certain amount of time. If he wasn't back within a certain amount of time, it would actually would open up. Because, uh, wow, well, that's an interesting uh, dealy there. Yeah, he he. he... <laughs> 
because well, with that door, he he would tell Elizabeth early on when she was down there that it was it was electrified and there's gas tanks. Yeah, it's basically booby trapped, which sounds quite elaborate. But then this whole thing is very elaborate, so you, you can't blame Elizabeth for believing what he said about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, he did have it in the back of his head: if I do pass away or if I don't make it back, the door will open up. But then did he tell Elizabeth for that? Because he told her it's booby trapped. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think knows? he has complete control over her mind at this point, at this period of time as well. And she, I, I imagine her focus is on her, uh, her, her children. So there's now, mm-hmm. what, three, four of them uh, down there. Um, so her focus has got to be on them. And they are brought into, this is the, the hardest part for me to kind of process, is that they're brought into a world to them that exists purely between the, the four walls of the, the basement. Yeah, I mean, later on, uh, Fritz all because he was very, apparently with the kids upstairs, he was very loving well, in comparison, and the kids downstairs, he was very, um, he just didn't show them any warmness and he, he would even show pictures of the, of the kids upstairs enjoying themselves and having fun. He would soften over time, but... Um... Selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. It, yeah, it's just a very weird, weird dynamic. The upstairs kids mm-hmm. are a different life. Very, obviously very much so to the kids downstairs. Yeah, so he was a successful guy as well. So it, they obviously money wasn't an issue to, uh, to them. He would go away uh, for sometimes four weeks uh, vacations in Thailand, um, but he would prepare in advance and bulk buy food and, and supplies for them before he went away. But I just thought, yeah, it'd be really interesting to know what 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 the situation would have been if something had happened to him and no one else obviously knew knew that they were down there. So the 16th of December 2002, so this is the biggest lapse of time without an incident within five years. Fritzl's seventh incestuous child is born, Felix. In a later statement, Fritzl said that him and Rosemary upstairs couldn't look after another child. So he he said Felix is going to remain down there. Mm-hmm. Um, I um, heard in a documentary that Fritzl actually, Felix was his favourite, like the kind of shining light. He wanted Fritzl, he wanted Felix to kind of carry on the name and he, he, was, he was trying to plan bigger. He started thinking, Felix Fritzl. Kind of writes itself, doesn't it? on so even though him and rosemary couldn't have any more children upstairs and i think as i said before he was starting to get a bit concerned about the police kind of smelling a rat um 
He was starting to actually think and plan how he can merge the two families together. He was starting to think at this time, I can, you know, how elaborate his other stories. I can get away with this. Well, no, yeah, bringing them back. Yeah, he he felt very um, what's the conflicted when Mm. when Felix when Felix was arrived. Yeah, because I'm right in thinking Rosemary and Joseph already had seven children of their own, um, including Elizabeth. Yeah, they've now taken three. From, yeah, from down so ten. I know that I appreciate they were yeah. age gaps. Yeah, yeah. So basically, the, the, the family that Fritzl had with Rosemary was mirrored by the family he had with Elizabeth down, down in the basement. He had the same amount of children, um, and yeah, for, as I said, as, as time went by, Fritzl kind of softened his stance with with the family downstairs, and he, he was mm-hmm. trying to be more playful. He brought a TV down there. He even had gave them a goldfish and a canary. Which a canary is a weird. I mean, mm. unless he had it there for the actual physical reason, it's a yeah. gas leak. I don't well, exactly. Know. Yeah. But he he Yo. was starting to soften his stance. He wasn't. He was. He would even stay there for a meal and have food with them and, and sit with them and kind of. It wasn't a case of, um, you know, the divide. He was. How he, did that canary not die? No ventilation whatsoever. How how are there seven people walking around? I've there? Done it again. Right. <laughs> Fucking hell. Right. Take that key and get rid of that one. How did the goldfish not drown? Okay, now. I love how much you cared about the canary as well. That no. canary. So, Saturday the 19th of April, uh, 2008, Kirsten, Elizabeth's 19-year-old daughter, becomes critically ill and actually falls unconscious. Um, it's at this point, again, I, I imagine not immediately, um, Fritzl is made aware um, of the situation and um, he makes the decision to allow um, allow Kirsten to, to come out of the cell. Yeah, yeah, so... Um, it was after a lot of begging from Elizabeth, and she's saying, you know, if, if not something doesn't happen, you know, if we can't do anything about her, she she will die. Um, and this is not to be crude in any way, shape, or form, but the fact that um, Michael, the son, died early on, he was a baby, mm-hmm. getting rid of the body was fairly straightforward. So a 19-year-old daughter, um, he, he probably had that in the back of his mind as well. It's not going to be it's just a case of, oh, okay... He, he and he and he was developing relationships with these with yeah. these with the children as well. Oh, Nineteen years, yeah. So Elizabeth did convince Fitzgerald to let Kirsten uh, be taken to hospital. So Elizabeth yeah. helped carry um, Kirsten up the stairs with Fitzgerald, which again that must have been like her glimmer of hope there, mm-hmm. and then her being put back, getting taken back down to the stairs. So Fritzel takes Kirsten to hospital. Um, he arrives with another handwritten note. I wonder if he had a selection pre-written just for different occasions. <laughs> Um, I don't know, but in, in any case, he informs hospital staff that he is, in fact, the girl's grandfather and that um, his daughter had kind of left uh, Kirsten with him to, to seek medical help and then again abandoned her. Yes, yeah, um, so Kirsten actually falls into a coma. Yeah. Um, and, the, and the doctors, they, they by her appearance, obviously with kidney failure, there's, I think there is actual fi- visual differences. Mm-hmm. You can go quite yellow, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but they even by her kind of complexion, she hasn't seen sun. Her whole 19 life. years yeah, yeah so she, she looks obviously looks very different in vitamin d deficiency and everything like that so i think the police were like and and the nurses were like this isn't some, something isn't adding up yeah something isn't adding up there so they they call the police as well because in theory if that letter was telling the truth elizabeth has just dumped someone who's severely ill on the doorstep and said you, you deal with it so it, it all it all would you know raise alarm so Fritzl discusses Kirsten's condition and status, um, as well as Elizabeth's handwritten note with Dr. Albert Rater, a name that will feature again shortly. 
So 21st of April 2008, the medical staff, as we said, they look at Fritz's story in the handwritten note and they say, this doesn't make sense, this doesn't add up. And they actually urge for Elizabeth to come forward because they need more information on the medical history because Fritz was not able to give it. For Fritzl, it's putting Elizabeth's name in the spotlight again, which I think is the last thing he wants. You know, the the case has kind of gone a bit cold and quiet. Yeah, I don't think he quite foresaw the uh, national broadcast or the local broadcast to go out appealing for her. So I can imagine he's freaking out at this point now as well. Yeah, the police reopening the case file on Elizabeth's disappearance. And again, it's the first time that anyone's questioned the note. Yeah. So Rosemary all those years, bless her, I'm not going to have a go at Rosemary, but, um, you know, anytime he got himself into a bit of a pickle, just produce a handwritten note or a, a... he impersonated the voice as you said on the phone or or a recording on the phone and she believed him and Mm. again that could link into the kind of submissive character that she is and that you know he's he has complete control of well if he's saying to her like dead set with dead certainty that's what's happening and she's not suspecting him because no one's going to suspect this kind of behavior um so fritz will repeat this story about the cult to the police i can just imagine though he arrives with this note at the hospital just expecting them all just to oh, okay yeah that adds up yeah come on this yeah. way whereas someone's questioning it i can just yeah, imagine th- his face yeah i think it's probably an easier lie to sell to someone who wants to believe you where it's not the medical staff's job to believe you it's their job to ask questions and the police obviously to ask questions the police have reopened the case and they've actually contacted Manfred Wolfhart good name and the church of he's a church officer and an expert on cults who raised doubts on the existence of the group Fritz was described so yeah they've gone to a professional gun is this cultish? They're like, mm. how cultish is this to like, you? you know what my cult wouldn't do that so um don't know why he's American and he said it's dictated and oddly written. So, yeah, there's a lot of, like, telltale signs from dictation and whatnot, how people under duress when they're writing things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, the 26th of April 2008, this is a biggie. According to a police statement, Fritzl makes the decision to release Elizabeth, Stefan and Felix from the cellar and bring them upstairs, informing his wife, Rosemary, that after 24-year absence, she's made the decision to come home. Again... Uh, this doesn't quite sit well with uh, Dr. Albert Rater, um, who actually tips off the police that um, that something isn't quite right in this right situation. Her. I'll write him. <laughs> Fritzl, who is now aged 73, is with Elizabeth near the Amstetten Hospital where Kirsten is being treated. Um, again, Rater um, makes the tip off to police and Fritzl is arrested. Yes, yeah, so Elizabeth obviously is questioned by the police um, and she's got a serious case of Stockholm Syndrome and she's, she follows what Fritzl's, um, Fritzl's lies and she, she says, like, she, she even said to, to Fritzl, if you release me for this, you know, for the reason um, of looking after Kristen, I will say, I will follow your lie, I will, you know, I'll back everything you say, I'm not going to get you in trouble, I just want my daughter to, obviously, to live. Um, but the police weren't buying, weren't buying the lie and they threatened to take the children away from the custody and that's when she said, Okay, I will tell you the truth. And I can only imagine what it would be like being the police, hearing all that, you know, flow from her for all the 24 years of absolute, you know, hell. Yeah, yeah. So after being reassured by police officials that she will never have to see her father again, this is where she then begins to unload all of the information about the last 24 years. She reveals information about, obviously, the decades-long imprisonment, including grisly details of how Fritzl had raped her and also made her watch pornographic movies, which he then forced her to reenact with him in the same room that the children were in. He is estimated he raped her 3,000 times, which... You can't even imagine that. It's it's all just you know. It's all. I heard the expression that he's like a man, like a man, like a volcano. 
um, on the outside, everything looks very calm, and, and he's you know he's living he's, he's a upstanding uh, member of society. And he, even with the Austrian law, after ten years, I think his rape conviction was dropped and expunged. So there wasn't any kind of signs on his record or his dotted past that he had done anything you know untoward. Um, but yeah, when when Elizabeth started revealing this all to the police, obviously a media storm would then would then emerge as well. To the outside world, uh, you know, Fritzl was a smartly dressed engineer who drove a Mercedes. Um, he was a family man, had a number of properties, so he, he was able to retire quite quite young, well, not quite young, at a decent age. Um, you know, and he was, again, just someone that was viewed viewed as kind of harmless. You wouldn't want to live under his roof as a, as a lodger, but... Um, I mean, that's the thing we haven't really gone into, is the fact that they did rent out rooms in their house you know, above the basement with lodges. And then the, they, there was complaints of noises, but then for sort of like, that's just the pipes and whatnot in the garden. So it, he was able to do all of this so closely to other people. And the neighbours, mm-hmm. people might be like, why didn't the neighbours know? Because if you, there's images of the, of the garden, it's so built mm-hmm. up around it, you can see anything. Yeah, it's anything like a fortress. Yeah, yeah, and you can't, like people often like to have privacy in the gardens it's not even a strange thing that he's done yeah but yes there was one guy i i read i uh, was one of the documentaries actually that that had um lodged with them for a period of time and he had a dog and the, it, the, he would always let the dog out in the garden while they're having barbecues and stuff but there was one particular area of the garden where the dog would constantly have its nose pointed to the ground whimpering mm. and trying to get people's attention to it and again fritz will just put it down to you know to the dog having an issue and maybe that there was um uh, you know moles or or animals or rodents or what have you that had been about but it would always that dog would always go back to the same spot and obviously in hindsight uh, the lodger you know was kind of messed up by that or yeah. heartbroken by that fact so when kirsten awakes um from the coma um the first thing she, obviously she wakes and she's and she's not in the the basement um obviously that must be very kind of jolting for her but apparently the first thing she said when she realised she was she was now free was she wanted to watch a Robbie Williams concert which was quite nice and then and then she started saying how excited she was for starting a new life for the whole family which yeah I mean it's the the, the idea which I think I can't get past is yeah you, you're raised in the room you hear your mother's stories when you're growing up about the outside world mm-hmm. um, eventually TV is brought and that's when you kind of kind of see all the other things. The window into the real world. But it's um, it must be such a odd experience. And even um, and even Stefan, like he was taller than the ceiling, so he always had to walk around crouched. So he mm-hmm. he had real difficulty when he came out of the space because he had to walk around slightly hunched over because that's how he, that's how he was, you know, raised. He he couldn't stand up straight. Yeah, there was no no obviously natural sunlight, no uh, no ventilation whatsoever. Um, as you say, really cramped conditions. They're all sharing the same um, living area, um, which would also kind of doubled up as that sex dungeon. Um, it, it, you can't. There's no way to process what they would have gone through or how that would have been. Um, I mean, we'll get on shortly to the, the the trial and the court case, but they did present evidence to the jury that that had been taken from the cellar. You know, teddy bears, mm. um, cooking utensils, and just apparently the smell of it. Um, from from all those years down there, made jury mem- you know members of the jury gag. Yeah. So Sunday, the twenty seventh of April, two thousand eight, police announced the arrest of Fritzl on suspicion of incest and abduction. All the children are placed in care, and Elizabeth is given medical and psychological treatment. Fritzl gives the police the code to unlock a door, hidden door in the basement. <clears throat> Can't remember your noise. Fritzl gives the code to the the living quarters in the basement, so the police are able to go in there and see exactly what Elizabeth has described and see everything is true. 
And this is at the point where Elizabeth's children, who she hasn't seen for years, remember they were, they were taken away from her when they are about nine months old, yep. her upstairs children and downstairs children meet for the first time, some of them. Yeah, which, and that would be a complex that would go on for many years. The upstairs children would view themselves as upstairs children and the downstairs children would, would yeah, view themselves as downstairs yeah, children. Yeah, there, there was some survivor's guilt and other things going on there and thinking mm-hmm. why was I picked. And, it, 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 and that it, play on heaven and hell again. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Monday, the 28th of April, 2008, Fritzel confesses to imprisoning Elizabeth in a cellar for 24 years and fathering her seven children. He confirms to investigators that one of their children died in infancy and that he had taken the dead body and thrown it into an incinerator. On Tuesday, the 29th of April, the police announced the DNA confirms that Fritzel is a father to all these children, which, yeah, when all this news is starting to come out, especially in that sleepy little town... Obviously, the public and everything are just astounded by that. Later in the day, hundreds of people in Amstetten take part in a candlelit gathering to express how much outrage there is over there and how they're together in this. Wednesday, the 30th of April, police say Fritzl refuses to answer any questions in the wake of his initial signed confession. His daughter and the children are looked after together in the isolated wing of a medical clinic under the 24-hour supervision of a multidisciplinary care team. Those held captive are getting used to the new space, light and especially the different food, officials say. Austria's Chancellor Alfred Gusenbauer vows to protect the country's image with a campaign abroad saying, we won't allow the whole country to be held hostage by one man. It's not really... I don't know. Is that going to make you want to go there? No. I don't think people look at, at like a tragedy or an act, one act in the country and immediately discount the whole country. May 1st, 2008, the police announced in their daily press conference that um, Fritzl forced Elizabeth to write all these letters over the time. Yeah, basically all the cracks are starting to show in Fritzl's story and uh, the evidence is coming forward just to show all the horrors that that happened. And in one of the letters, it actually said that she was planning to come home, but it's not possible yet. This is this is the point where the police are thinking he was planning to try and bring Elizabeth back in to the family fold. And again, he was going to try and come off as uh, the hero in this situation, from from what we understood. Yeah, he was he was going to he would be the one who would rescue his daughter from this fictitious cult. And the police were just underlying the fact that they're going to interview at least a hundred people who lived as tenants in the Fritzl apartment building in the previous twenty four years. I mean, the thing is about that, like. Everyone knows Fritz is a very kind of firm guy. He's a quite aggressive guy. He said, don't go down in the basement. And he said... He was quite firm on that. Yeah, so I, I, I mean, the tenants, obviously, they all have guilt. They probably think, oh, maybe I could have done something. But at the same time, in that situation, I, I don't think... You know, they, who, could even pro, who could even imagine that? No. You know... June 2008, Kirsten is revived and recovers from an artificial coma and joins her mother and siblings. They are moved to a secret location and are all given new identities. Wednesday the 15th of October 2008, prosecutors declare Fritzl mentally fit to stand trial. The prosecution wanted to protect Elizabeth here and they said videotaped testimony would be enough for them to, to hold the charges against Fritzl. In one of her last acts of defiance though, she does come into the courtroom. Yeah, um, yeah. Which really does change change the, the mood of the whole trial. So Thursday, the 13th of November 2008, Joseph Fritzl is formally charged with murdering one of the seven children that he and Elizabeth had had. The child is said to have died in the cellar shortly after birth. If found guilty, Fritzl could face lifelong imprisonment. 
Monday the 16th of March 2009, so Fritzl enters the courtroom, there's lots of images of him trying to hide his face with the... Blue folder. A blue folder, yeah, which, I mean, they obviously have pictures of him already, so I don't really know what he's trying to do there. Something to do with Austrian law, um, he was allowed to protect his identity while the press were there, and then when the trial actually started, the press had to leave, so he was trying to trying to cover his uh, identity, but uh, I think that was pretty short-sighted based on everything else. So Fritzl would uh, plead guilty to all the charges with the exception of murder and grievous assault by threatening to gas his captives if they disobeyed him. In his opening remarks, Rudolf Mayer, the defending counsel, appealed to the jury to be objective and not be swayed by emotions. He insisted Fritzl was not a monster, stating that Fritzl had brought a Christmas tree down to his captives in the cellar during the holiday season. I mean, that does not... Unclutching at straws there, Yeah, mate. I mean anyone trying to protect him is going to be a very hard job and I guess you are going to clutch at straws but um, yeah so essentially he, he's he's admitting to being at fault at everything apart from the, the, the murder yeah and a big a big part of what I read was that Fritzl was very much of the opinion that this whole experience this whole process was consensual he thought that she loved him and she he thought that she was complicit in the relationship which mm-hmm. she she wasn't and when he actually heard it from her her, her side, side yeah he, he's in actually okay actually yeah I did do all of that and yeah I'm guilty, yeah. So, Christian Berkheiser, um, prosecuting her first case since being appointed chief prosecutor, so what, what a case to take for your first one, um, pressed for life imprisonment in an institution for the criminally insane. She demonstrated for jurors the low height of the ceiling in the cellar dungeon by making a mark on the door in the courtroom at 1 metre 74 centimetres, which is roughly 5 foot 8.5 inches. And she described the cellar as damp and mouldy passing around a box of musty objects taken from the cellar, the odour of which made jurors flinch and gag. So on the first day of testimony, jurors watched 11 hours of testimony recorded by Elizabeth in sessions with police and psychologists in July 2008. The tape is said to be so harrowing that, that the eight jurors did not watch more than two hours at a time. Four replacement jurors were on standby to replace any regular jurors in case they could not bear to hear any more of the evidence. I mean, the, the one thing from this which... Um, I applaud the Austrian uh, police and everything about is essentially they, they have hidden the kind of there's no pictures on I couldn't find any pictures of Elizabeth no, or anyone at all. Um, obviously because and it has, it's been reported a lot about how striking obviously you know they haven't seen sun for 20 years they grew up in damp horrible conditions so it was quite striking the kind of even just the look of them after that time mm-hmm. um, but yeah it, I can imagine as a juror it'd be a very very heavy case to be involved in yeah, 100%. So that, that 11-hour um, testimony that, that Elizabeth gave was broken down and they were made to watch it in a non-chronological order to protect the jury. Okay, so Wednesday the 18th of March 2009, Elizabeth attends the second day of the criminal trial against her father, Joseph. She did not plan to see her father again. Fritzl's attorney, Rudolf Mayer, confirmed that Elizabeth had been seen in the visitor's gallery in a disguise at the time that her video testimony was aired. He goes on to say, Joseph recognised that Elizabeth was in the court, and from this point on you could see that Joseph was going pale and slowly breaking down. Mayer said, It was a meeting of the eyes that changed his mind. The next day, Fritzl began the proceedings by approaching the judge and changing his pleas to guilty on all charges, confessing to the negligent homicide of one of the children he fathered with his daughter and to the charge of enslavement. He is quoted as saying, I declare myself guilty to the charges of the indictment. Fritzl is then sentenced to life imprisonment for incest, enslavement, 
murder by negligence, coercion, rape and false imprisonment. So another point I was saying early on, there's so many elements to this case and, and this story which wasn't really made, you know, it wasn't the main talking point at the time. And one of the things is that this wasn't the first time that Fritzl had actually imprisoned someone. He had actually incarcerated his mother in the attic as a punishment as to how she raised him. His mother moved in with him in Rosemary. She, he put her in the attic. He bricked up the windows. It's a um, very Norman Bates vibe. Yeah, he, he said, I locked my mother up in the room at the top of the house. I then bricked up the windows so that she never saw daylight again. She never showed me any love. She beat me and kicked me until I was on the floor and bleeding. I felt so weak and humiliated. I never got a kiss from her or even a hug, that, although I tried very hard to please her. The only thing she did with me was go to church. The media believed that he had her incarcerated up there for 20 years. He was doing that just beforehand. So the attic was, you know, it was a sandwich of terror. Mm-hmm. To try and end on a bit more of a positive, positive note, in May 2008, a handmade poster created by Elizabeth, her children and her mother at the therapy facility that they were, they were housed in was displayed in the Amstetten Town Centre. The message thanked local people for their support and it's quoted as saying, we, the whole family, would like to take the opportunity to thank all of you for your sympathy at our fate. They wrote in their message, your compassion is helping us greatly to overcome these difficult times and it shows us there are also good and honest people there who really care for us. We hope that soon there will be a time when we can find our way back into a normal life. Yeah, obviously the kids, um, they suffered from a lot of trauma after this. Of course they would, as, as mentioned before, um, Stefan couldn't walk properly. Um, Kirsten would tore lumps out of her hair when she was in captivity there's lots of obviously other issues especially it was said earlier on the kind of bonded between the upstairs children and the downstairs children but elizabeth moved into a house with with her, with her children and they interesting thing they didn't have any doors on, on the bedrooms i think they were very conscious of not people not feeling trapped um they had, they had security looking after them the whole time kind of monitoring them making sure that no paparazzi would come over there's some, some cases with the english paparazzi trying to take mm. pictures of her so they were constantly in a secure situation which i think must have been very comforting for elizabeth and the family um, and a nice thing to come out of it was elizabeth actually formed a relationship with one of the with one of the security guards um tom wagner mm-hmm. yeah and yeah they started and he, yeah, she struck up a relationship and it's, it's quite a nice end. And even Rosemary um, becoming, you know, relevant and participating in her life. And I guess Elizabeth forgiven her for not knowing what was going on. Yeah. Um, after a lot of therapy and sessions together, they've managed to form a bond as well, which is, which is nice to hear. So some more positives, uh, the house where all of this, um, all of these tragic events took place, number 40 Ipstrasse, um, on the 28th of June, 2013, workers began filling the basement of the Fritzl home with concrete. Workers stated that the construction would cost a hundred thousand euros and would take a week to complete. The house was to be sold on the open market. Um, so I know you're always quite curious about murder houses and what happens there and does the value go up? Does the value go down? Yeah. Um, whilst most neighbours approved of the, of the proposal, some preferred that the property be demolished due to its sordid history. Asylum seekers were offered the house to live in. The house then sold for €160,000 uh, in December 2016, with the buyers voicing their intention to convert the building into apartments. And finally, uh, to end on uh, on a strong positive, in May 2017, Joseph Fritzl changed his name legally to Joseph Mayeroff, um, probably 
although again this is something that has been um, alleged uh, due to getting into a prison fight that resulted in several of his teeth getting knocked out after other inmates set up a fake dating profile with his name and picture yeah, he's, he's in solitary as well isn't he? he's not seeing anyone mm-hmm. he's getting the absolute taste of um, his own medicine there not seeing any other people and yeah, yeah he's, he's still tucked away there's some really good photos of him getting his one hour of wreck and it's just it's like a hell in a cell cage <laughs> Um, there's no room for him to move. Well, hell is where he deserves to be. And that is the case of Joseph Fritzl. It's quite a heavy deep dive case. Um, mm. But yeah, it's, it's, it's nice to see that Elizabeth is, is moving on with her Doing life. Well. And, and her children are as well. So there you go. It's quite an eerie quote that I want to end it on. Um, it was from Professor David Wilson, who's a criminology expert in, in the UK. So this isn't London, New York. It is a sleepy little town. Sometimes the most dreadful of crimes can happen in the most normal places, mm-hmm. which I thought was quite eerie. Thank you for watching today. If you like the episode, don't forget to give us a like and give it give us a subscribe. Hit the notification bell so you know when the next episode is coming out. But it'll be it'll be Monday, so I mean, not to ruin the surprise for you there. If you want to see any other little minisodes that we've been doing, head over to our Patreon and you can see some. We covered the creepiest love story ever. We've covered mm. the plightest uh, murderer. We've covered. Purple Aki. There's a lot of interesting cases in there. Yeah. So be sure to go over there. Again, thank you all for the uh, the people that are uh, watching the video, uh, listening to the audio. We really, really appreciate it. If you want to head over to our Insta, which is at Could Murder a Pod, uh, it's the same for Twitter. So no, we really appreciate everything. Give us a little follow. Um, uh, 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 say hello. We we love hellos. Let's have a chat. But until next time, we'll see you soon. Goodbye. You've been listening to I Could Murder a Podcast, written and presented by Tom Norris and Ben Carter. Additional voiceover by Joel Beckett and Dan Lambert, edited by Kean O'Leary. Artwork and animation by Phil Witten, produced and mixed by Dan Lambert at Boston Sound. Theme song by Alfie Indra. If you've enjoyed this episode, please remember to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Follow us on our Instagram and Twitter accounts. Just search at Pod. And make sure to tell all of your friends. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. 
Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Toyota Thon is on, so stop in and get a great deal on a rugged new Tacoma or Tundra, ready to tackle the toughest weather. Find out more at buyatoyota.com. Hurry, Toyota Thon ends January 2nd. Toyota, let's go places. I Could Murder a Podcast is proudly part of the ACAST Creator Network. For hundreds of extra minisodes and other content, along with our private Discord server and live Q&As, exclusive merch and much more, consider subscribing to icmap.co.uk.